0: Good morning. Welcome to CRE Eyes Wide Open Podcast. I'm Ann Hambly, your host. And today I'm very pleased to have with me again, um, Steve Jelinek with uh, Morningstar Rating Agency. Steve has been on a podcast in the past, is very insightful, is someone who publishes reports um, in the industry and and, uh, will have a lot of valuable stuff to share with us. Steve, do you want to add anything here um, about your... Uh, current role or background at Morningstar. I quickly summarized it, but, you know, welcome, welcome. And let me give you a minute to talk about yourself. Sure, Yeah.
1: Um, I just, thanks for having me on, Anne. I appreciate it. Always good to be back. And, um, you know, just for your listeners, um, knowledge, I have, um, gosh, probably 35 plus years experience. Um, got involved in the market right around, um, the time that, um, of oh, the savings and loan crisis in the mid to late '80s, so I've seen um, my fair shares of my fair share of ups and downs, for sure.
0: Actually, we—I didn't think you were my age, but we—that's—that's that's, <laughs> maybe you're not. We won't go into that, but I—that's I, how I got into CMBS too. Was mid 80 SNL crisis, so you yeah. know. Anyway, yeah. Well, you've been certainly around and have very, very valuable insight. I—I I think what we'd like to talk, maybe start out and tell us. You know, I certainly have my own views of what I'm seeing today, but I'm I'm probably in a narrow niche in CMBS in general. So, talk to us about overall trends in CMBS, and then we'll take some of those and dig dig a little deeper, if you would.
1: Sure. Um, Kind of overall trends in CMBS right now is so everybody knows that um, CMBS, or I I would expect most of your listeners would know that um, CMBS. Um, the credit market has been um, seriously constrained. Um, You know, borrowers are hard-pressed to get loans unless they're willing to accept low leverage, Um, higher interest rates, and more stringent lending standards. Um, We do see some private lenders that are taking advantage of what could be perceived as a market opportunity because of the conventional lenders kind of stepping away. Um, but the private lenders do that are um, stepping in um, will have to be well capitalized. Um, and one of the things that they um, don't have to necessarily worry about is they don't have to uh, mark their loans to market. So that gives them an opportunity that, you know, a typical bank lender might not have. Um, and also, I mean, just talking about, you know, where we are today versus the GFC. I mean, the GFC kind of felt like more self-inflicted in our current situation. Um lenders learned many issues from that time, um, resolving more equity and tougher underwriting standards today. So that's why we really haven't seen a lot of losses so far. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with new issue. I can speak to just in a nutshell to what's happening with um, um just kind of performance wise. So we're seeing a definite, I would say kind of this, you know, time around feels a lot more, di- like there's a lot more diversions this time, right? So you have the economy that seems to be doing pretty well based on the numbers, and you have uh, CMBS delinquency rates, which is the market that I follow, um, pretty stable, although office, we'll get into office in a minute. I'm sure everybody wants to hear yeah, more about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the office delinquency rate shot up as well as the special servicing rate. Um, but the rest of the product sector or rest of the um property type sectors are doing pretty well. Um, you know, industrial, multifamily, even retail and hotel <clears throat> are performing better than I think what folks were expecting at the beginning of the year. So you have this kind of divergence with you know zero to a, a trickle of new issue. Um, but on the performance side, pretty much everything but office is performing. Okay, and is stable, so it's it's an interesting time.
0: Let me before we go into anything more anything else. So, uh, for everybody listening, that I've heard it now called this a few times, but GFC, no doubt, is Great Financial Recession. Or no? Oh yeah, sorry the for C? the
1: acronyms. I should put it no. in the jar every time I do that.
0: <laughs> <A> great Financial. <laughs> what was the C stand for? Uh,
1: the, the Great Financial Crisis. Of crisis. Okay.
0: So, yeah. Okay how does how does that how does the GFC now I can use that terminology too how does that re how would you in your view compare that with what's going on today i mean what what are the biggest differences and and what is different with today's if you if you own an office you're in crisis right so what, what is the difference
1: yeah well the gfc was basically um a bubble of um values um, where values just keep kept getting inflated And it was predicated on um, real loose money and low interest rates and very loose underwriting standards. And the market just thought that values would keep catching up um, to um, underwritten net cash flows that were substantially higher than could ever be achieved. And that never happened. Um, And it, it... Most folks know that all sort of um, the fundamental, um, the first shoe to drop in the GFC was in the single family market when um, home prices were inflated and um, individuals were getting loans that they would not otherwise have gotten um, based on inflated home values. And um, not very, very loose underwriting, and it's spilled over to the whole banking sector. Um, today, really what we have is this is what's happened is it's all it goes back to um, the COVID lockdown. Um, you know, the economy basically um, got put on hold until we could get COVID under control. Um, now that we've got COVID under control, um, we're kind of paying for the loose money, um, zero interest rates and a very <laughs> loose um, federal balance sheet um, because um, the government didn't want COVID to um, really tank the economy. So now that interest rates have um, jumped significantly um, since in year zero, um, what we have now is um, a market that is dealing with um, higher interest rates and, you know, the cost of financing. So anything that has to do with debt is is getting squeezed.
0: You think that COVID is one of the primary drivers, uh, the COVID effect, I should say, is one of the primary drivers for what we're seeing in office today, you know, the hybrid work arrangements and all that, or were we kind of headed there anyway?
1: Um, I honestly don't think we were headed there anyway. I think um, COVID really spurred the um, the hybrid work, um, work from home. Um, we definitely wouldn't have seen to the degree that we've seen it of um, folks working from home mm-hmm. and you know out, out migration from cities to um, to the Sun Belt, for example, um, where folks you know sought a lower cost of living, um, better um, living environment, you know, warmer weather. Um, and they would, um, wouldn't have necessarily done that if it hadn't been for COVID.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: with COVID, you know, we have, we've got, in, in terms of, of office, what COVID kind of spurred was we've got continued kind of the headwinds for office. Is continued inflation, um, a weakening economy and labor markets, and as I said before, the wide adoption of hybrid work. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of the. But we've also got some tailwinds um, for office, so it's not not all doom and gloom. You um, have the intensifying flight to quality trend, that will allow mm-hmm. prime assets to act as better hedges against um, in high inflation. We have. The qualities of top office properties that were built after 2010, following those that were built between 2000 and 2009, which were kind of the, the top years of office well, construction. And the office supply that was predominantly built in the 80s, that vintage doesn't necessarily offer the kind of amenities and space mm-hmm. quality for modern office users. And And what I was just going to finish that up with a final thought in terms of, you know, where we expect the office to go is, you know, probably a 15 to 20% reduction in in office use after all is said and done. You have a lot of companies that that are um, letting their employees work from home more. But then we also have kind of a lot of companies that are kind of mandating uh, back to work. Uh, A lot of the um, the banks in New York City are requiring companies to, uh, employees to return to work. Um, and we've also got, you know, one thing we're also looking at too is the office space that's available for sublease. That's a number that a lot of folks want to keep their eye on. That in specifically in Manhattan, uh, office space available for sublease increased uh-huh, um, by 10.5% from last year to over 22 million square feet. Mm-hmm. And that's the highest volume of sublease availability ever. And that's reported by um, a company called Seville's. And that topped the previous record of 22 million square feet set in the first quarter of 2021. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think actually the big, and for CMBS especially, the big challenge, well, maybe maybe um, let me take out the CMBS qualifier, but in general, I think the perfect storm arises Or an office owner, when you now add all the dynamics you just talked about and you add a maturity date in the midst of all this. So your loan's maturing this year, next year, and there's a lot of office debt maturing in the Mm -hmm. next couple of years. And that's the issue. And what I'm finding, what I'm finding dealing with customers, and I guess I'm going to ask you if you've seen this or if this is prevalent in uh, what you're seeing across the board, is if you've got a maturing office building, And you've got large tenants that are expiring, you know, maybe around your maturity date or a little after even. So you don't know if they're going to renew. They're likely going to reduce their space or negotiate something, but you don't know what it is yet. You got a maturity. It's near impossible to find, you know, new financing, as you described, to pay that loan off. And secondarily, as you've said, there's a lot of new money that has to go in, in some cases, to these offices to make them competitive with what people require today in an office complex. And so you have a kind of a stalemate where new money needs to go into the property, but they're not going to, nobody's going to mm-hmm. put it in at the current debt amount, current debt load, especially not without knowing that they're not going to get foreclosed on at their maturity date, you know? So yeah. that's what we're primarily seeing. It's not that the office building market, the office buildings are a problem or are all going to go away. It's just all the moving parts added with a, a maturity date. You, is that kind of consistent with what you're seeing or what's different on your end?
1: Yeah. So what we're seeing is a couple things. So as you mentioned, <laughs> um, office loans, maturities are definitely in the hot seat and probably above all other property types. Right. Lenders have become increasingly wary of financing, especially older office buildings Mm. and those with more than minimal tenant lease expirations. And according to our data, about seven billion dollars. And that's not Mm. a small number of office loans mature through the rest of 2023. That's just 2023. That's just 2023. Yeah. And roughly 40 percent of that, about um, 2.8 billion have difficulty mm-hmm. refinancing even in a best case scenario um and in our worst case scenario we put out several papers on maturing loans on our website on at dbrs.com and folks can look them up and um in the worst case scenario about 60 percent of those have uh, trouble refinancing yeah um, I, I can give you a, a, a data point yeah There's, please um actually in in your um neck of the woods uh in houston a mm-hmm. uh, property called San Felipe Plaza.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's nearly a million square feet in the Galleria district. It was um, bought for about $83 million. And that equates to about 86 bucks a square foot. And that's only, that's about half the price that it was acquired for in 2005.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: Yeah. And um, it's about, about three quarters um of a mile from this particular yeah. property, San Felipe is mm-hmm. another property that is in CMBS and San Felipe is not, but you know, we're always looking at CMBS loans and how what's uh, how are data points in the market going yeah. to loans. So, another low um, property in the market is, um, let's see, um. There's a seventy-five million dollars CMBS loan um, in
0: what's the name of the property?
1: Oh my goodness! I'm sorry, I don't. I can get you the name of the property, but um, the main tenant at this particular property is um, Schlumberger that has seventy-two percent of the space, and their lease ends in 2027. But the mm. loan matures yep. late late in 2024.
0: Yeah.
1: The property was valued at $125 million for 287 a square foot. So if if, if it's valued now closer to the 86 bucks a square foot Mm -hmm. that the San Felipe property was bought for, that's going to cause some serious problems.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of the ones I'm working on with clients, the value today, if you had to pick a value today and who knows what that is really, but it's about half of what their loan amount is in a lot of cases. Mm And, and, you know, you, you go out another five years and stabilize and it should go all back up. This is not a long-term issue, but Mm -hmm. uh, it sure is a a painful thing for short-term. Um, I was going to ask you another, oh, the 7 billion of maturities in 23, is that just CMBS Mm -hmm. office? Yes. Wow. Okay. Do you have the number for 24 handy? Obviously. I don't not. not Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. I'm going to get your, your report on (laughs) these maturing loans and make sure that that's available. Um, So hottest thing in CMBS right now, hottest issue guess that's an important thing, is maturing office buildings mm-hmm. due to all of the things that we talked about. Uh, let's scan up 30,000 feet because we could spend all this. We've only got a few more minutes left, but we could spend the whole time on office maturities. But let's go to just CRE, commercial real estate in general, um, maybe development. I don't know. What, what, what in general uh, do you see going on in the industry? Give us a 30,000 foot view of things.
1: So 30,000 feet inflation is definitely top of mind and what inflation is going to do to um, curb CRE development. It's interesting that um, CRE development has been curbed the most with um, office and retail. And so you have a landscape of elevated interest rates, high inflation, and strong wage growth. And that's kind of curbing developers' enthusiasm for new products, new mm-hmm. projects. But it's hasn't curbed enthusiasm so much for multifamily or industrial, which is really interesting. Um, you know, lenders are, banks are pulling back on construction loans as they tighten their underwriting standards and they're reducing their risk of exposure. Um, in, if, if in general? Can, yeah, in general. Mm-hmm, and if developers mm-hmm. can get loans, they're going to be at rates that are well above pre-pandemic levels. And that's, you know, that's kind of a theme all throughout uh, commercial real estate. It's not just CMBS. It's higher interest rates. And like we were talking about a minute ago, higher interest rates are affecting maturing loans as well. So it's it's a combination of factors. Um,
0: in the space, and I don't know if you spend much time in this other space too, but, you know, a construction lending, I've heard a lot of people say that there are a lot of construction loans that are in trouble, and maybe it's just because they can't get good long, long-term financing, at least as they had projected. Um, do you, Are you in that enough to have a, an opinion as to what's going on and if that's a true statement or not? Yeah, not
1: specifically enough or not. A, yeah, a huge concentration. We're not typically don't pay it um attention to construction loans. Yeah, um, I don't usually <laughs> As far but as inflation, I can tell you that inflation has caused um you know the cost of materials to shoot up. Um, mm. Before the health oh, crisis, yeah. compared to the um pre-COVID, um, right. construction materials are up over thirty percent. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And wage growth in the sector is up six percent.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You add you add those two things, and then mm-hmm. the high inter, higher interest rates, uh, and yeah. the pullback from uh, lenders on you know offering new debt, and that that's probably that's probably it right there. You've got a, a, yeah. a great. Right. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of wild
1: though, that the industrial and multifamily have construction yeah. have continued to flourish, um, multifamily right. because you have a um, dearth of. Um, Housing for people. We always yeah. need more housing. Right, um, right. There's just not enough. And industrial is just,
0: you know, yeah. addressing
1: continued e-commerce, um, last mile delivery, and older, um, kind of a similarity with office buildings that newer industrial buildings are in more in demand than older ones, you know, higher right. ceilings, more automation, things of that nature.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been very insightful steve and i really appreciate your input and in taking the time to do this um there's probably a lot of other topics we could cover but you know i think we've covered <laughs> some some pretty hot ones and and uh um so appreciate your insight i'm get, we're going to pull your report uh and point people to it i think that's I'll, i can't wait to read it myself i have not read it yet but the maturing loan one that you've written or that's out there on your website i want to look at so um Thanks, thanks again for taking the time to speak to us and I, I hope you have a good day and, and we'll probably call on you another time because you're definitely full of good information.
1: Thanks. My pleasure. appreciate being on.
0: Thank you.